You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. Hello folks, welcome to a brand new episode, a bonus episode of the Couch Rotators. Uh, I'm here with Christy Phillips. Uh, we sorry we haven't gotten back to you soon enough, but like I said, this is just a bonus episode for you, released whenever. But yeah, so we're going to continue on from where we left off, where we spoke briefly about movies based on true stories and our favorites. Yes. Yeah, it's because... Unlike the rest of the Simpton Good Fun Network, we're the only two that read. Um, <laughs> it's mostly smut, but we read. Hey. I read smut, too. I don't give a shit. I'm doing a whole idea in the back of my mind, a book report. This history we forgot backup episodes. Besides. <laughs> Side stories. <laughs> but, yeah, so let's uh, let's go ahead and kick it off with, uh, what's our first one? Schindler's List. Oh, Schwitz. Hey. Damn. I I love a good Holocaust movie, and frankly, they're fun. It's so many puns. Oh, I'm going to have to hit you already. Break out the chocolate. Folks, if you want to hear more about that, listen to History We Forgot. (laughs) Shameless pun. Shameless plug, where we just throw shit at me. Yep. But yeah, Schindler's List is one of those movies that just punch you in the fucking stomach immediately. Yes, it does. Um, We watched it partially in school. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard some other people tell me they watched the whole thing in school. And we I'm did. Just, I'm just like, damn, that that's the good old days of teaching. That's the golden era where the teacher can be half drunk and just show you the crucible. Because <laughs> we watched that whole movie in uh, sophomore English. Fuck me. That was rough. Um, my teacher in freshman English, ninth grade, we watched it. And what she did is she taped it off TV. Mm-hmm. And the only thing she cut out was when uh, you see all of Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, where he's uh, right before he takes the shot with a sniper rifle, I think, isn't it? Yep. Yep. She, uh, we sh- we saw everything yeah. except the male frontal and yeah. the female frontal. Yeah. But we saw all the rest of it. Yeah, it's a rough movie. Like it's it's you know based on the true story of Oscar Schindler. Yes. Uh, the from what I still from what I understand, still the only Gentile buried in Israel. <laughs> One of them, yes. Yeah, I think he's the only one. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I, I think you're right. Yeah. And it's a very sketchy, like, he did save a lot of lives. He did. Yes. But he was also a war profiteer. Yes. On top of everything. He was um, also a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't be a war profiteer and not be a fucking Nazi. Yes. In Germany. Yes. Uh, it would just not fit the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But no, he... he he saved a lot of lives with uh, with a list. Mm-hmm. These group of people. And like this, the casting of the movie is damn near perfect. Yes, I agree. Liam Neeson mm-hmm. as Oscar Schindler. And this is golden age Liam Neeson back when he was still doing like Rob Roy, fucking Helen Mirren. <laughs> Before he did the Taken franchise. You know? Yes. He was in Next of Kin. You remember that one? I do. Fucking awesome movie. It Patrick was. Patrick Swayze, Ben Stiller's the bad guy. But... <laughs> 
But no, he, you know, that's prime Liam Neeson. And then mm-hmm. you had Ben Kingsley, uh, Ray Fiennes as Eamon Goth, uh, the t- nice teacher from Matilda. She don't have a name. That's her name. Nice teacher from Matilda. Yes. <laughs> Miss Miss Honey. Miss Honey. Uh, but yeah, just a star-studded cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, like I watched the behind the scenes of the movie not long ago and it was talking about how everyone was trying to stay upbeat while watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Like how, how to, like I said, uh, and around the time the movie was being filmed, Robin Williams was doing Aladdin at the time mm-hmm. and he would call the people on mm-hmm. set and make them laugh, like give them a reprieve because he knew, because Steven Spielberg had told him, mm-hmm. hey, I'm part of this movie coming up about the Holocaust and everybody's kind of, it's going to be like the biggest one, like, this is like the premier Holocaust movie at the time. Yes. Uh, and no, he would just call randomly, talk to the actors and like just build them up a little bit. Just, mm-hmm. you know, that palate cleanser they needed. Like, hey, it's okay, blah, 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 blah. It's just like, you know, rapid fire shit from Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, that's how serious this movie was. Yeah. It was like, you know, this is the true story to a degree for the for the time and then it's told perfectly i think one of the best things is the way it's shot it's all black and white yes it's very simple and the only time it's in color is three scenes but the one that everyone focuses on is the little girl in red Mm -hmm. she is just kind of like wandering the chaos Mm -hmm. when the ghettos are being filled and then they're being evacuated quote unquote Mm mm-hmm and then you kind of see the preamble of the Eitzengruben, the, the special soldiers yes. who were tasked for killing people by gunshot. And you see that one German officer who is losing his fucking mind. He's, he's literally cracked. He's, he's screaming, laughing, crying, all, all the emotions just flowing through him because he, he finally doesn't understand what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And that was a big, scare for those that for that specific group of soldiers Mm -hmm. because they were there to fight an army and not do that one thing yeah um but yeah you said you had watched it in school what grade was that uh ninth or tenth fuck they wouldn't have got away with that shit but oh no they wouldn't get away with it now where i'm at Uh, can you watch movies in school anymore yes um we are actually getting ready to cover the holocaust when we get back from Thanksgiving break where we are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not sure when this is going to come out, but when we get back from Thanksgiving break, which is where we are, we are actually going to cover the Holocaust and we are going to watch uh, Oprah and Oprah's special where she and Ellie Vazil actually go to Auschwitz. Okay. And I'm going to have watch to, that in health class. I'm going to have to send uh, letters home mm. and get signed permission slips because it's going to show scenes yeah. from actual footage from Auschwitz. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get letters. Yeah. And that's going to be a small drop in the bucket compared to the stuff that you see in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, the movie is very graphic. Yes. Uh You know, I do recommend people watch the movie. It is a fantastic film. It's probably it's it in is. the Criterion collection. It's in the Oscar collection. It's in like so many collections of just films that need to be like it's I think it's in the top 20 films to watch. Yes. Before you die. And it's also part of the other list too, but the Criterion Collection in the in the uh, Oscar series mm-hmm. uh, has had it there forever. Yes. Um, they've also done um, 
Spielberg has actually done a lot of stuff with the Holocaust Museum, too, mm-hmm. ever since the, the movie's come out and everything, which he still does a lot as far as uh, making other movies and working with other people and things mm-hmm. like that. Because when uh, Ken Burns just did his Americans in the Holocaust uh, series, which please go watch it. Um it's so hard to watch a Ken's Burns documentary. I know. Because he always gets a narrator that is just too good. And it's like an ASMR video. Because he got Peter Coyote to do Into the West. Yeah. Ken Burns the West. And he's like, the Nez Perce Indians. And it's just like, shut the fuck up. I'm fucking falling asleep. Yeah. Um, As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ben Kinsley actually does the narration for yeah. the Americans in the Holocaust. He played Gandhi. Yeah. And a Nazi. Yes. We'll, we'll be telling about that one next. Yes. So it's, it's down the list. But uh, he still does a lot for uh, research and families, and he still works with the museum in D.C. Yeah. Uh, the the movie ends with the real survivors mm-hmm. uh, putting uh, flowers and whatnot on the grave of Oscar Schindler mm-hmm. uh, in Israel. Yes. Um, and it's kind of like, it kind of reminds me of like a league of their own when you kind of see who they actually are, mm-hmm. which is like, if you're going to do a movie about the real people, show what they really look like at the end. Yes. Compared, you know, compared to their actors and, you know, kind of give a feel. It, 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 I think it, when you're doing a movie about true stories, it brings it down to a point where it's more real, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to do, you know, uh, an epilogue at the end. Yeah. But yeah, so Great, you know, always a recommendation mm-hmm. for that one. Uh, another one is a movie I kind of don't like. Um, <laughs> is American Gangster? Yeah, uh, Denzel Washington is fantastic in the movie. He is. Uh, I I cannot. There's not enough hours and not enough tape for me to talk about what an amazing actor Denzel Washington is. He does this so well. Yes. The uh, an old fashioned gangster. Yes. Uh, Frank Lucas, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frank Lucas. Russell Crowe. <laughs> as the 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 cop that catches him but not just the cop that catches him, the man the unfallible yeah. cop that catches him can't be bought can't be killed <laughs> that 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 one guy but Josh Brolin as the other cop that you can buy yeah the absolutely corrupt. corrupt cop yes that he's like the cop from the 89 Batman he's just a piece of shit yes yeah but no he's that guy and this is just a, one of those wild stories of the war on drugs mm-hmm. that goes all the way to New York, all the way to North Carolina, all the way to Vietnam. Yes. And like those three points of the world about him sneaking heroin back to the United States through dead bodies of Vietnam soldiers and then smuggling it to New York mm-hmm. and causing probably one of the worst heroin epidemics in all of the United States at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fucking wild story. He kept his family in it the whole time. Mm-hmm. You did see, you know, him, he had set rules in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of what I had a problem with the movie is it's like it kind of over-exaggerates Frank Lucas into this larger-than-life character when, in fact, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, he did shoot someone in the middle of the fucking street mm-hmm. and got away with it. But it wasn't because he's Frank Lucas. It's because there's no one gave a shit about the dead guy. Yeah. The cops literally just didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. They're just like, who's the next guy paying us? Yeah. 
So, and this is like the age of like the rampart divisions. Yes. You know, the, the the skull and crossbone tattoos on police forearms with the fucking handlebar mustaches, aviators with a dirty gun in their sock. You know, like yeah. <laughs> those guys. One of the things that I liked about it the most, other than I'm, I'm going to steal your favorite line, killer soundtrack. Oh, God, fantastic. One of the things I liked about it the most is you get to see his rise. Mm-hmm. You get to see how he becomes, as much as I hate to say it, an absolutely amazing businessman. And what's funny is, so you remember the movie Harlem Nights? Of course I do. (laughs) So the character Richard Pryor plays Mm -hmm. is the same man that teaches Denzel Washington's character Mm -hmm. in that movie. So it's technically, it's a sequel to Harlem Nights Mm -hmm. because it is the true story of Frank Lucas, but it's also the story of... The guy who created Frank Lucas. Yeah. Uh, Barnes, I think his name was. Um, I can't remember his name. Um, but it's the guy Richard Pryor played in Harlem Nights. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the rise and fall of Frank Lucas. Mm-hmm. And it's and you know, it's just like any other story of a drug dealer or, you know, not even a drug dealer, a drug kingpin mm-hmm. going up and down. Uh, a lot of times it ends in bullets, but for him it ended in prison. Mm-hmm. And he played it smart. He lived. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the game is to live. Um, George Jung from Blow. He lived. He died recently, but he lived. Yeah. <laughs> Whitey Bolger fucking <laughs> lived. He died in prison, but he fucking lived. Yeah. <laughs> he made it. So mm-hmm. that's what that's one of those things where it's just like, of all the ones about true crime guys, it's like my least favorite. I think it's because it doesn't have a lot of rewatch value for me. It does for me. I I bought it on DVD. Yeah. But I bought it for like a handful of really good scenes. Yeah. Because there's a few that are my favorite. And my first favorite is when um, when you first see him and he's... Well, the first one I really like is the first time he's in the club and he meets the he meets that girl that's going to be his wife. Yeah, because that's just Denzel being Denzel, and that's just cool. But the other ones are when he's with the cops, and the first one is when they tell him the I think it's Zuko or whatever his name is, the mm. bad cop. Yeah, he tells him that he's gonna he takes the money from him and all that kind of thing, and then they blow up his they blow up the cop's car. And he goes to pull him over, and yeah. Frank gets out of the car, and he goes, where's your Shelby? Yeah. Your Mustang Shelby? Where's, your, where's the Shelby at? And never in the movie does Frank Lucas talk like he's from North Carolina with the same accent like we have. Oh. He does not talk like he's born and raised in Greensboro, North Carolina, where he's from. And when he gets out of the car to talk to him, he actually has the twang. Yeah. And he gets out, and he's almost that old school southern where does Shelby at yeah that's how he talks when he talks just to him yeah it's it's making him look dumb yeah because when you want to when you, when, you, when you want to pretend to be dumb you drop an accent mm-hmm. especially especially if it's a hardcore regional accent you know Bill Burke can really do a Boston Judge mm-hmm. accent Johnny Depp can do it you know it was like but down here you know Ain't no car that's gonna blow up on me, man. Hell no. Ain't no, ain't gonna blow up my car. But like you know, say like it's it's and it does vary, especially in the South. There are the Cantillion South, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord. How dare you do that to me? <laughs> and then you got the North Georgian accent, the way they don't pronounce their ahs and sound like they want to get their ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Like Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Rest <laughs> in peace, Rosalind Carter. But, uh, but yeah, so it is this fantastic movie. I, I, it's just one of those ones I can only watch once mm-hmm. and not give a shit about. Yeah. It is, for me, it doesn't have a lot of rewatch value. It's a very uh, compelling movie. Mm-hmm. It's not Denzel's best. I, I, I will agree Granted, with you Granted, he, he could have got an Oscar for this. But I'm just... It's not as good as like Malcolm X yeah. or Training Day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the next one on the list is... Mm-hmm. Ghosts of Mississippi. <laughs> so much fun movie. This... Folks, if you don't, if you're listening to this for the first time, go back and watch the other episode. Go back and listen to the other episode where we all watched our movies from TNT. Yes. <laughs> Every movie we love was on TNT at one time. Yes. And this was the one on TNT for damn near a year. At least. Oh, God. I, this was the movie where, this was the first true crime movie I remember watching. I. I think it was mine too. Like if I think about it, yeah, I think Magosa Mississippi or Mississippi Burning. This was mine. Yeah. Because I watched this before I watched Mississippi Burning. I remember being at my great grandma's house, sitting in the master bedroom on the bed and this movie be on. Mm-hmm. And I'd sit there and watch it and play. And then I would just stop playing and just watch it. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those movies that caught my attention very quickly. The cast, you know, in hindsight, the cast is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Alec Baldwin, mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg, James Woods, William H. Macy, Virginia Madsen. All these people have fucking Oscars. Mm-hmm. Every last fucking one of them. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. They have them and they've earned them. Not just that. The real people mm-hmm. are in the movie. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's her kids that are playing themselves. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Evers' kids are playing themselves mm-hmm. as older, ver- you know, as the older version. Yes. But no, it's the true story of the the death and assassination of Medgar Evers, mm-hmm. the one that doesn't get talked about. Yep. Um, if you want to learn more about that, we talk about his assassination and some of his works on history we forgot um, with me and Miss Phillips. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also talk about the other ones too. Yeah. Uh, whole assassination. Assassinations of the sixties. Yes, and when we do the conspiracy episode about that, it's <sighs> going to be how we find out who really did it. It was the Hamburglar. Uh, <laughs> not no, Grimace? No, not Grimace. Grimace that can't hold a gun. Um, he doesn't have thumbs. Um, he has mittens. Um, but no, James Woods. Oh, man. Byron DeLay, DeLay Beckwith. Beckwith. What a name. Oh. It, it doesn't roll off the tongue like Lee Harvey Oswald, but it is a name you say in this like, there's a hard R in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, in a very... Yeah, there's, there's yeah. He James Woods is really good at playing that type of character. Yeah, a vehement racist. Yeah, he too good. Yes, he's almost too good in this movie. Uh, Alec Baldwin is the white knight character who's trying to do his best, and you know, in all intents and purposes, he could have just quit. Yeah, he could have just walked away, but he fought the good fight. The retrial, everything, trying to dig up evidence. And it kind of gives you this idea of what the good old boy system was mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah. Because his father-in-law <laughs> had the gun. Yeah. The whole time. Because you find out that back then, you know, if a gun was used in evidence, it would get lost and it'd end up in a judge's or cop's house. Yeah. 
But somehow the gun was in his father-in-law's house. Mm-hmm. And it's that small world kind of thing that bothers yeah. the fuck out of me sometimes. Um, it is, it, like I said, it's a wild movie. It's uh, an amazing movie. It, it's on movie. HBO, I think, still before. I think it's only on there for a little bit longer. But no, check that movie out. It's fantastic. One of the, some of the lines in the movie are done too perfectly. William H. Macy as a private <laughs> investigator. William H. Macy is everything in this movie. He's like, hey, do you need a gun? He's like, here, take this one. No, take this one. Nah. And he's just pulling guns out of the woodwork on yeah, his body. out of his back, out of his hip, out of his ankle. Yeah, he gets him the ankle gun. Yeah. He's like, here you go. This is more for your speed. It was like a 38 special, like mm-hmm. a midnight special. Like, that's a pig sticker, motherfucker. Yeah. But no, he, Virginia Madsen plays his wife. Oh. His marriage dissolves because of his work on this case. It doesn't dissolve. It explodes. Yeah. But then he meets another woman. Yeah. The doctor woman. And... It kind of works out for him in the end. It's no, it's no like riveting, you know, ending like a time to kill or some shit. But like, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of got that same feel. Yeah. Because um, those movies did come out kind of concurrently. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, this was a TNT staple. Yes. Forever. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. I can't recommend it enough. Absolutely. Whoopi Goldberg is fantastic. Oh yeah, she she's very stoic. Yes. Like, she's not like because she's a comedic actor. Because mm-hmm. she was in like the Sister Act movies. She was on SNL, did all that stuff with Billy Crystal. Jumping Jack Flash. Yeah. So, and her going from that to this is damn near perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a full recommendation on that. And it's got the woman from Justified in it, Mags Bennett. <laughs> yep. Mags Bennett's in it. Yep. Uh, the next one is? Miss Evers Boys. Miss Evers Boys. <sighs> this one was a little bit rougher. Oh, yeah. Um, you want to? So, uh, the Tuskegee experiment. Yes. Uh. Uh. The Tuskegee experiment, for those who don't know, is a uh, was a government testing facility. Yeah. Uh, that tested the uh, uh, the effects of syphilis and other other things yeah but syphilis mainly and uh, eugenics mm-hmm. to a point um on black americans yeah the idea was that they were told they were being given cures mm-hmm. but they weren't no, they were actively infecting people with syphilis um sterilizing quite a few people yes which happened here in north carolina as well mm-hmm. um there was a large lawsuit that came to a head i think back in 2004 where they were finally given uh, kind of like a payout from a lawsuit from the state governments that were involved in the Tuskegee experiment, yeah. but also quite other ones too that didn't have a name. Yeah. Um, another one of the version of this was the two lane tests, mm-hmm. uh, where they used uh, uraded, uh, um, radiated material in grain cereals on people with like uh, mental disabilities, mm-hmm. uh, people with Down syndrome, stuff like that, um, and to test the effects of you know radiation. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, they broke eggs. <laughs> oh, bliss. For a shitty omelet. Uh, again, all based on racism. Yeah. it's a. It could be a rough movie to watch. It is, it is an extremely rough movie. It's an movie. educational movie, if it is. anything. But it is very rough to watch. Do you remember the first time you saw it? Nope. <laughs> I don't remember where I was. I do. I told mom... She was working at T-Town in Mooresville. Okay. So that's... Uh, 
that's many a year ago. Mm. 2005-ish. I might have graduated high school by then. Yeah, two years in Iraq, yeah. <laughs> I went wandering down there, and they used to do a thing, for those of you who don't know what T-Town Video is, they used to do what they call a five for five. You could rent five videos for $5 if they were old enough. Same with family video. And then you just never bring them back. <laughs> I did. And I had to bring them back rewound, or she would charge me for rewind fees, my own mother. Be kind and rewind. So I was looking for a last movie. I said, Mom, I want a movie based on something real. She said, you can pick this one, but it's a heartbreaker. Yep. Yeah, there's no winners in this yep. In this movie. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne's in it. Yeah. But it, it's it's one of those, it's, for me, it was a forgettable movie because I had knew everything about it before watching it. I had no idea what any of it was. So, yeah, I had gotten down to like, like early high school, I had gotten into a rabbit hole of the weird shit the government did mm-hmm. to fellow Americans because we were involved in Iraq at the time. Mm-hmm. And I would hear these stories out of Iraq that, oh, no, they're using depleted uranium rounds on the Iraqis. Oh, what do you mean depleted uranium? And it's like, no, they're using nuclear waste to make bullets. To use on Iraqis because they've tested these bullets before. And so that's what C-130s were shooting at people mm-hmm. from the sky or depleted uranium rounds embedded in the ground now. So all of outside Baghdad and outside Afghanistan, Fallujah, stuff like that is now irradiated ground forever. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's no half-life on your depleted uranium. This is shit that was used in a nuclear factory mm-hmm. long ago that we can't use no more. Yeah. Except fashion and bullets. But no, it's it's a, it's a fascinating story. Uh, I recommend any teacher teach that. Uh, I taught it, you know, it when I taught the, psychology. Yeah, it's one of those things where you take the good with the bad when it comes to the history of the United States, and this is the very bad yeah. part of it. Right up there with creating the Baconator. <laughs> so bad. So bad for you. Uh, the next one. Uh, public Enemy. Or public enemies. Public enemies. This true story of John Dillinger, Purdy Boy Floyd, Babyface <laughs> Nelson. All those guys. <laughs> and all those guys. Uh, the book. Uh, I had the book. Um, and it had a forward written by Alan Carpus, Alvin Carpus, Alvin Creepy Carpus. Uh, <laughs> one of the few gangsters that got away. And it is a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. Um goes into great detail about the FBI, Melvin Purvis, the agent who shot and killed Pretty Boy Floyd, who hunted down John Dillinger, who was a part of the uh, team that killed uh, Babyface Nelson. Uh, ultimately, he ended up killing himself after the death of John Dillinger and Pretty Boy Floyd. Um, the movie depicts Pretty Boy Floyd dying first, mm-hmm. which isn't true. He died last, uh, much later after John Dillinger. And what's crazy is Channing Tatum plays Pretty Boy Floyd in the movie for about, yeah. for about five minutes. <laughs> and it's a, it's a pretty cool scene. He's running through the orchard, just fucking, you know, shooting through the orchard. And Melvin Purvis gets on one knee, take, pulls out a fucking hunting rifle and blows his, like a 30 out 6 I think, and just blows his fucking guts out. Mm-hmm. And they run up on him, and Channing Tatum has this great line. He's like, I hope you fucking die and go to hell. <laughs> and it's like, Damn, yeah, because that was the day you, you weren't catching these guys. You were having to kill them. Like yeah. there was no catching, you know, Bonnie and Clyde. And, you know, there was no catching the Barker family. Mm-hmm. 
This there week. was no catching John Dillinger twice. Twice. <laughs> they caught him that one time. Yeah, Johnny Depp does a fantastic job, but everybody mm-hmm. in this movie does a fantastic job. Yeah. Christian Bale. Yes. Fantastic. The little asshole they got to play Hoover had that air about him. That he fast talking, like vaudeville voice. You know, yeah. We will catch John Dillinger. You know, it's just like that, that stymie little piece of shit voice. <laughs> and it's just like... They, and they and they do portray him very well mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie because he's having a Senate hearing and they're like, Mr. Hoover, have you ever arrested anyone? He's like, I don't see how that matters. It's just like, no, this is a fucking law agency. Have you ever arrested anyone? Mm-hmm. No, he hasn't. And somehow he's in charge of what's going to be the FBI. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it's fucking insane. Mm-hmm. And he did, you know, talk himself up during the times of, you know, killing Ma Barker and all them. And mm-hmm. He talked about how he caught uh, uh, Mel or he caught Alan Car- Alvin Carpus himself fleeing the scene. It's like, no, you did. Alan oh, Creepy Carpus would have ate your face. <laughs> that goblin man would have shot you in the stomach and watched you die for three days because mm-hmm. Carpus didn't give a shit. Yeah, he ran. He ran with the Ma Barker and all them. He didn't give a fuck about anything. Yeah. He was ready to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it somehow he made it through. Mm. But yeah, it's 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 also the sort of, you know the story of interstate crimes, which the mob fucking got involved because the mob was involved in interstate crime. Yeah, money laundering, racketeering, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Interstate gambling, and that's when the FBI is like, see, this is why we need a nationwide police force, mm-hmm. and that the story of the FBI. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. Book is fantastic. The film mm-hmm. is fantastic, mm-hmm. and it's probably the best depiction of what those gangsters really were. Period. Uh, his his girl when he meets his girl in that movie, I love that so much. <laughs> he's like, I want to tell you something. He's very honest with her very quickly. Yeah, and she's like, I don't know what you do. He's like, Let me tell you something. I like fast cars. I like fast women, and I like get, getting the fuck on. And he puts his her jacket out and <laughs> puts it out. He's like. And that's all you need to know about me. Yeah. And then he's like, sold. <laughs> <laughs> and any girl Johnny Depp ever said that to would be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and the guy that played uh, Babyface Nelson <laughs> is the guy that played Al Capone in uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire. Psycho motherfucker. <laughs> just like, take that shit out of my bed. <laughs> like he's, he's just like casually standing outside of a fucking bank. And he thinks it's a cop. And it's not. And he just starts opening fire into the town. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you crazy motherfucker. <laughs> and man, it is such a good movie. The, uh, Stephen Lang's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy from Avatar or uh, uh, Curly Bill from fucking. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, what was his name? Was it Bill? Was it Curly Bill? Oh, it wasn't Curly Bill. It was. Uh... He was in Tombstone. Ike Clanton. Uh, Ike Clanton. He played Ike Clanton. Fantastic character actor. Absolutely. And he was one of the guys that was with Melvin Purvis hunting these motherfuckers down. <laughs> Fucking fantastic movie. Um, but yeah, so another one, another good one, <laughs> which I love, and I wish Cap was here for this one. Goodfellas. Martin Scorsese's <laughs> Goodfellas. Uh, the story of the life and times of Henry Hill. Uh, and this movie kind of centers around one big thing in Henry Hill's life, the Lufthansa heist. But it's not the only thing he was involved in. Uh, the history of Henry Hill. He was also involved in what's called the Georgetown scandal, mm-hmm. which was a 
uh, gambling thing around college basketball with Georgetown. And they did a whole 30 for 30 about it, and he was in it. <laughs> like Henry Hill was in it. But he went to witness protection. Like He's the gangster who got out mm-hmm. and testified against everybody. Have you ever seen Goodfellas? Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know it as well as you do, but I have seen it. Ray Liotta <laughs> on cocaine <laughs> is one of the most hilarious fucking things I've ever seen in a movie. Because mm-hmm. Ray Liotta has coke face. Mm-hmm. Coke face is a, when an actor can bug their fucking eyes out just enough to scare the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. But there's another fantastic cast. Joe Pesci, Ray Liotta, Paul Sorvino, Robert De Niro, uh, Sam Jackson, um, Christopher Maloney. Mm-hmm. Um, who played Christopher in <laughs> fucking Sopranos. A lot of guys from the Sopranos that are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I wish Cap was here because he and would just be talking about Sopranos for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> hey, you remember Paulie? Yeah, just... But no, it, it's a fun movie. And when I talk about Goodfellas, what I love about it is there's two narrations. Mm-hmm. There's Ray Liotta mm-hmm. and his wife, <laughs> Karen. Mm-hmm. I loved Karen. Karen is probably the best mob wife in all of like movie history because she's fucking nuts too. <laughs> she's probably, she pretends she's not, but she is fucking nuts. Mm. Uh, you remember the scene where she, so there's a scene in the movie where Ray Liotta's tortured a guy with Robert De Niro and the phone rings and the guy that's getting tortured answers it. It's for you, Henry. <laughs> and it's his girlfriend crying she's like oh no this is this just garbled fucking thing and and she's just screaming and crying it turns out she had left with uh the guy across the street a young man across the street had given her a ride and tried to assault her and he dumped her on the street that's the true story part of it. you don't see it in the movie mm-hmm. but that's what's implied so ray liotta stops <laughs> gets gets off work early <laughs> All right, let's let's put it let's put it in terms we understand. Please work early. Left work early. Not getting paid. <laughs> Unpaid leave. Ain't no PTO in the fucking mafia. <laughs> Drives all the way to her house. He picks her up and takes her home. And across the street are those three guys. Two guys standing with their buddy who sexually assaulted this woman. That's why she's freaking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. When you're younger and watch it, you don't you think, oh, he probably hit her. No. Mm-hmm. The, he did something to her in a very negative way. Mm-hmm. And he walks her to her door. <coughs> Bless you. Hey. He walks her to her door, which I love. Still a gentleman. Mm-hmm. And it's the the thing guys do, the... <sighs> turn it off. And the fucking just walks, there's this a beeline toward this guy's house. Mm-hmm. And pulls a fucking snub-nosed revolver. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? Bop, bop, bop. And he starts beating the shit out of this pistol whipping mm-hmm. a man in his own driveway and striking him in his orbital socket. And you mm-hmm. hear the crunch, crunch, bam, bam. And then he pulls the gun on the two guys so they don't move. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that gun is fucked. That gun broke as soon as it cracked his fucking skull open. Yeah. And he walks back. And this is when her narration comes in. And it's the funniest fucking thing because I get Cap to quote it because he could do the voice part. He could do her voice fucking perfectly. And she's like, a lot of girls would have ran, but I got to say, it turned me on. And it was just like, <laughs> you are a monster too, bitch. 
you're crazy too. You deserve each other. Both of you are fucking awful people. You deserve each other. You psycho woman. Fucking fantastic. Best best movie. Uh, it, Martin Scorsese's mom is in it. She plays Joe Pesci's mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Pesci. Just the scariest <laughs> motherfucker on, on, the, on the movie. Because this is one of those ones that TNT mm-hmm. played for a fucking year. It seems like, to me, it was always... In a row, it was this one, and then Casino, and then one of the Godfather movies. Uh, usually one. Yeah. AMC kind of picked it up, picked up the Casino mm-hmm. and Goodfellas thing because they would do Gangster Week mm-hmm. right next to Shark Week, and it's just like, <laughs> God damn it. Um, but yeah, Casino, same kind of thing. You know, another true story. Uh, I didn't know that was a true story. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but he lived. <laughs> Ah. Ray Liotta lives too. But Joe Pesci's character gets killed in that Goodfellas. Not as bad as he did get killed in Casino in a <laughs> cornfield being buried alive. Um but no, fantastic movie. This is like a gangster gangster flicks of gangster flicks. This is right up here with Godfather One and Two. Mm-hmm. So fun to watch. The soundtrack is fun. Mm-hmm. The opener of him just saying the opening line is like, Ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to be a gangster. Mm-hmm. It's just that fucking 50s fucking crooner music. Yeah. It's so fucking good. Yeah, I'd I'd love to watch that again. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the next one's you, because I haven't seen that one. Oh, uh, The Basketball Diaries. Mm -hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio, true story movies, are his bread and fucking butter. Yes. Whether it's Titanic, (laughs) Wolf of Wall Street. Hey. The Revenant, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is three and a half hours long, required an intermission, and I will be watching at home. <laughs> the comfort of my own house. Yes. <laughs> which is another true story of horrific, horrific Native American being murdered. Uh, but no, Basketball Diaries tells the story of a young basketball player who gets hooked on drugs. And Leonardo DiCaprio had just came out of doing What's Eating Gilbert Grape, I think, around this time. Um, right before Titanic. This movie, if you watch it, is a heart wrencher. It is so fucking sad. Just him going from having, you know, all these prospects to playing sports and, you know, getting out to just falling into drugs. There's a scene in it, it'll make a cry, is he's knocking on his mom's door. It's late at night. And he, she's already told him, I'm not giving you any money. And he's begging, crying, screaming, knocking on the door. The chain's keeping the door from being shut. And he's like, please, Mom, I'm starving. I need something. Please, please just give me some money. And she's like, I can give you some food. He's like, no, bitch, I need some fucking money. And he's just crying and just struggling. Just the addict is coming out. And it is a heart wrencher to watch because he sticks his hand in the door and it's stuck. She has to break his fucking hand to get his hand out of the door. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 a wild one. Yeah. Uh, if you want a true story DiCaprio movie, this is the one. This, mm-hmm. is, this is a good one. Not, it's not as good as Titanic. <laughs> there was no door to save his ass. You know what I'm saying? I, Charlie's not here with me, but I swear to you, he and Rose could have fit on that door. Oh, no. <laughs> they both could have fit on that door. Maybe. <laughs> I will maintain it till the day I die. She fucked a street urchin. And that's it. 
And they both could have fit on the door. Mm. Uh, the next one. Another. <sighs> Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. <laughs> Classic. Blow. So fucking good. I've never wanted to watch a man beat a woman so fucking bad in a movie. <laughs> and Johnny Depp beating the fuck out of his wife in this movie. Where she's just like, he's like, fucking cocaine out of the seat, you fucking piece of shit. And I'm just like, I would have took the cop's gun and put one in her. <laughs> oh my God, I would have killed this bitch. So fucking bad. Uh, no, it's the story of George Jung. One of the one of the handful of drug dealers who created the Coke, the Coke flow from Colombia to Medellin, mm-hmm. all the way to the United States, the drug runner, mm-hmm. right up there with the cocaine cowboys and Griselda Blanco and all the other stories you hear about these people that are larger than life bringing cocaine in the country in the late seventies, early uh, early eighties. Mm-hmm. Just a fascinating story. Yeah. Another one, uh, Paul Rubens, Johnny Depp. Uh, what's what's the, what's the, what? Who was his wife? Uh, it's been Penelope s- Cruz. Yep, Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz. Uh, Ray Liotta played his pops. Yep, my I loved about him his in there. dad in this movie. His dad never gave up on his boy, but his mom was a cunt. <laughs> oh my god, his mom. Johnny uh, hit that Boston accent, mm-hmm. and when he's telling the story of being a kid, it's so fucking sad. Mm-hmm. When he's talking about, and my dad promised her the moon and didn't deliver. So she left. But she'd come back every now and then, usually around Christmas. <laughs> my dad would take her back every time. And it's just like, that's fucking terrible. Yeah. Your dad should have murdered her. <laughs> and he would have gotten away with it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Women died all the time in the 60s. She <laughs> would have been fine. It was the 50s. People disappeared all the time. But this one had... The song at the beginning. Can you hear me knocking by the Rolling Stones? <laughs> and it starts at the end. Mm-hmm. Like any good story, we start at the end. Yes. Uh, a bloated Johnny Depp is smuggling marijuana through a fucking plane mm-hmm. with his buddy Dooley. <laughs> and then the movie starts from there. The story of George Young. And then it ends with his buddy betraying him, mm-hmm. which is the saddest fucking thing. Yeah. But no, Blow, Blow is probably one of the best movies about drug dealing ever. It had a cool cover, too. It was all like a sheen silver cover. Mm-hmm. And it was him and Penelope Cruz on the cover. Yeah. Oh, man. Such a good movie. Great soundtrack. It's It, it kind of reminds me of Catch Me If You Can a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like those two movies kind of run in tandem with each other. Great soundtrack, crazy fucking story, crazy protagonist. Yeah. But yeah, the next one is kind of a rough one. Oh, it's not kind of. It is. Uh, Spotlight. Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember who's on it. Uh, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Um, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is the editor of the Boston Globe. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Nope. No? No, he's in the other one. He played the priest in the other movie with Meryl Streep. Yes. Uh, another terrible fucking movie about Catholics. This movie's about Catholics and child molestation. Yes. But it's about the Boston Globe... Yes. Who uncovered it in Boston. Um, It took years to do. Um, This kind of coincides with uh, a documentary that you love is the um, Keepers. The Keepers. Uh, Amateur sleuths who, you know, just, I hate to say they're amateur, but they did, they were amateurs, but they took real evidence Mm -hmm. and found the links between what the Catholic Church was doing 
and hiding information of deaths, molestations, movements within mm-hmm. the clergy and stuff like that, and how they were actively moving priests that were accused of molestation to other parishes mm-hmm. and kind of creating this network of just pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. But this was the big, this is the story of the people who brought it to the light. Yeah. And this kinda, was nation and then worldwide. Yeah. This kind of rocked the, um, not just Boston, but it reached New York so quickly that mm-hmm. there was a shift that people talked about that was in the air about walking around Catholic churches and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, whole parents taking their kids out of Catholic schools and just demanding their fucking money back. And Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a large, like, I, I remember they said they, they the Catholic church had, uh, like, anticipated this and anticipated, like, a 17% drop in um, attendance mm-hmm. and didn't, and that, like, they had prepared, like, this was going to come out eventually. Mm-hmm. And they had already made a plan. They had a slush fund of um, money for uh, victims yeah. already in place to do out-of-pocket deals, you know, back-alley deals mm-hmm. to keep the kids shut, much like uh, the Michael Jackson Foundation did. Yeah. And it is just fucking rough. It is. Fantastic. Uh, I think, uh, uh, oh, what is her name? Rachel McAdams mm-hmm. is the other one. I couldn't think of her name. Yeah. No, they, they, they get threatened. Mm-hmm. They get followed. Cops get involved. Yeah. Who are pro. And that's the fuck to play. It's just like, that's how embedded the Catholics were. Yeah. In places like Boston and, you know, parts of New York, where like even cops were protecting these pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. And, just another movie to teach you why you shouldn't trust the police. One of the things that makes this such, I mean, it's its a really rough topic, but one of the reasons that it's a rewatch movie for me is the characters are so well done, and you have a couple of them that you see them waver, like maybe we shouldn't do this. Yes, there is a, there is a point where Michael Keaton's just like, if we go down this path, there we can't really turn back. Yeah, he's like he's he's laying it out for him very, very correctly because in journalism, you can't take it back. Yeah, once it's in the ether, it's out there. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing. Um, the two journalists who broke the Nixon case, mm-hmm. all the King's Men, the story of those uh, Woodward and Bernstein, mm-hmm. they went down a path they weren't going to be able to go back from. Mm-hmm. You're accusing you know, a president of treason of being a crook. And they're doing the same thing with a giant political body that is the Catholic Church, yeah. the pillar of Boston. And you're about to crack it wide the fuck open. And it was, a, and you know, it's one of those things, we have it down here, the unspoken things. Yeah. Um, the, oh, how could you not say anything? It's like, no. It's not up to us to say anything. This was the culture that that bred this. Mm-hmm. It happened and it continued to happen and it became one of those things. Um, I remember a comedian had talked about it. He's just like, oh yeah, you know, my grandmother said, oh yeah, there was always that one person you didn't, ha- you know, allow kids around in the family, you know, that uncle or that grandparent who wasn't allowed around the kids or cousin. Mm-hmm. You know, families do this. You know, this is this was a way of life for a lot of people who were just like, no, we don't let the kids around this person in the family yeah. alone. But it's the same with the church. It's like, oh, you know, I heard he did something to the Thompson boy. Oh, that's a shame. 
and that's it. That's just, that's the end of the conversation. Yeah. Bless his heart. And that's it. It's the same down here. But with the Catholics, I think it, what, what it was is that it's an institution and a political force. You know, a great example of this is the movie Primal Fear. Yes. Where one of well, you know, the altar boy snaps. Love Primal Fear. Oh, God. Edward Norton. Laura Lenny should never turn her back on <laughs> The way he hurdles the fucking uh, witness thing. Oh, my stand. God. Where are you going, bitch? Me and my dad watched this the other day. This is like I love Laura Lenny when she turns around. Excuse she, me? He me, and he fucking hurdles <laughs> the goddamn bitch and just puts her in the perfect headlock. And I love his state. I'll kill her. I'll snap her fucking neck right now. And it's just like, that's peak Ed Norton. Mm-hmm. Oscar-worthy Ed Norton. Yep. Brother... And- Brother Vineyard. <laughs> yeah. And Richard Gere's face. I know we're not supposed to talk about this because it's not technically a true story, but Richard Gere's if face was, when he starts out. And then he says, tell, tell Miss Lenny that I'm sorry about her neck. And Richard Gere's face. He should have got oh, an he Oscar. It. He called it almost. He almost didn't. Yep. And then he stops right there and he's like. I'm trying to remember. What was her name? Miss Devereaux or something like that? It was a fancy name. Yeah. Whatever her name Whatever her name is. Miss Vale. Mr. Uh, no, uh, Mr. Vale. Yeah, tell her, tell whatever her name yeah. is that I'm sorry about her neck. Yeah, and the talk- look on his face is oh. like holy shit. Oh, man, that's, that's, <laughs> if you guys get a chance, we're talking about true stories, but check out Primal Fear with yes. Richard Gere and Laura Lenny. And Ed Pause Ed this and go, and then come back. Oh God, it's so fucking horrific. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Spotlight is probably one of those movies that is you know cemented in time mm-hmm. of a true event that. It, it doesn't have a lot of rewatch value, but you only need to watch it once to yeah. kind of get the gravity of it. Uh, also, watch The Keepers. The Keepers is a fantastic documentary. Yeah, uh, pace yourself, though. Yeah. It is extremely rough, but it's well worth a watch. Don't be like the youth of today and cry when you learn about the Jonestown. <laughs> and don't be like me. Don't be like, it's okay, I can watch this all in one day. Don't do that. I did. I did too. Different, I shouldn't different, have. Different personality types. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I can I can binge this in one day. I should have watched it one day, watched one episode one day, and then took a bit. Yeah. Took a beat. Mine was, I watched it all in one day and been like, yeah, we could get rid of all the Catholics. It wouldn't be that hard. It's only probably like 8 million people. I didn't want to get rid of all the Catholics. I just wanted to fix no. it to where we didn't have to have priests alone with people. No, nah, this is one of those <laughs> games is like if Chris was in charge. Yeah, we can. We can get rid of them. We'd probably make the world a better place. Um, but So the next one is probably the fun, one of the funnest true stories. Did you ever watch this movie, Catch Me If You I Can? I did. It's just been a really long time. Fucking Frank, the story of Frank Abagnale. <laughs> Johnny, uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Johnny Depp and Leonardo DiCaprio corner the market on true stories. Yes. But Leonardo DiCaprio playing Frank Abagnale, one of the greatest forgers in the United States. Mm-hmm. I will say this. The movie does play up his abilities mm-hmm. in more outlandish ways. Some of the stuff he does in the movie is not what he did in real life. One is pretending to be a treasury or an FBI agent to get <laughs> away from a treasury agent. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But he was quick on the trigger and moved fast. Yeah. Uh, it's just a story. It's just a story of Frank Abagnale. His father had left. His mother had kind of just gave up on him, and he was out on his own. Yeah. But he realized very quickly how the finance system worked when it came to checks. It, you know, younger people listen to this. The golden age of checks is over. <laughs> yeah. But there was a time. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. where your grandma would cut a check, buy groceries, and never go back to that store. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ever. I remember working in a Bilo, and they started telling us to get the driver's license numbers off people <laughs> before they cut a check and had to write it down. Oh, my God. What a pain in the ass. Oh, I remember having to do that at the very first grocery store I worked at, and I remember how many cussings I toted. Oh, yeah. Why do I? I've been coming here to. I've been coming here to this grocery store my whole entire life, youngin', and I ain't never had to show my driver's license, sir or ma'am. I understand that, but I am. You want to keep going back? I am required to write your driver's license number on this check. Yeah, but no, it, it's about forgery. It's it's, and it was a perfect forgery. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. He took he took his time, and did these forgeries perfect. He pretended to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. He pretended to be a lawyer. Here's the thing, though. Frank Abagnale did take the bar exam in Louisiana mm-hmm. and passed it. He just didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. So technically, <laughs> he didn't defraud the, the legal system in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. No, he got it. He, I, I remember that scene where Tom, Tom Hanks is in this movie. Yes. It's one of his best movies. But he looks at him. He's like, how did you cheat? He's like, cheat what? The bar exam. He's like, oh, I didn't cheat. He's like, what? No, he's like, I'm a forger altogether, but I never cheated on that test. <laughs> and you got to think about, holy shit, if he didn't cheat, that means he's legally a representative of the justice system of Louisiana <laughs> who happened to pretend to be a surgeon. <laughs> yeah. A doctor, a night doctor. Mm-hmm. And he met his wife that way. I, I felt so bad for her. Uh, Amy Adams played mm-hmm. the, the the nurse with braces <laughs> that he fell in love with. Barton Sheen's in it. Fucking it just it's so funny how he's just fucking people over left yeah. and right. Jennifer Garner in it. She's in it. She plays a prostitute at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and he pays her with a check, <laughs> a thousand dollar cashier's check, because he wanted to have sex for the first time, and she said it'll be a thousand dollars. And he's like, God damn, like for the nineteen fifties. Fucking hilarious movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is The Green Book. Yep. More recent. This one was uh, kind of, I will say Oscar bait. Yeah, it was. But it's still a good movie. It doesn't take away from that fact. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's a true story of a, a pianist um, being chauffeured around by Viggo Mortensen's character, uh, Italian uh, American chauffeur who needed a job. Yeah. His job was to get him through this American South and through most of the United States safely. The Terms and Conditions of the Green Book, which was a certain reservation book for people like him. African-Americans. Yeah. Uh, to travel safely between venues. Uh, the wood that lo- I love, One of the things I loved is when they go through one of the sundown towns. They get pulled over in the middle and it's raining. And you're thinking, oh shit, this is going to be like a Mississippi burning type situation. Yeah. And uh, they're pronouncing old boy's name. No, oh, this is so-and-so. What's his name? Uh, Belotsky it's just like no it's Vavilletto or some shit mm-hmm. and he's like what kind of name he's like it's Italian and he's just like oh and then proceeded to call him every name under the sun that is an Italian you know and he punches him in the fucking face <laughs> like he yeah. punches him, and it's like now we're going to jail motherfucker yeah but they do a Kennedy call and get the fuck out the jail yeah but no it, it it is a kind of a movie about just two men getting to know each other in a really fucked up situation, because yeah. uh, at the end of the near the end of the movie, uh, he go Vigo Mortensen Vigo, Vigo Mortensen's character goes back home, mm-hmm. 
and the main character is left alone. Yeah. But he decides to go to the man's house. Mm-hmm. And he's welcomed with open arms. Yeah. Because there's an understanding now that, hey, this is the guy I chauffeured around. Please show some respect for Mr. Because he still refers to him as Mr. Mm-hmm. Because what's funny is like, the Italian guy is kind of the hick in the situation. Yeah. He's just like, do you not have any fucking manners? And Vigo Morris is like, what? You don't eat the whole bucket? Like, he's eating a bucket of chicken. Yeah. And it's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a good movie. It kind of reminds me of Driving Miss Daisy just a little bit. It, it kind of is, yeah. But he kind of, because he's like the hoity-toity guy. Yeah. It's, but it's the other way around. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good movie. It won the Oscar, I think, that year. I think so. Yeah. Uh, another one. This one was on TBS a lot. Aaron Brockovich. Yes. This is the true story of a chemical company mm-hmm. that poisoned the town. Yes. Um, this is one of the more wilder stories because it leaves out some big stuff at the end where it doesn't really do a big epilogue at the end. Mm-hmm. Long story short on this one, a chemical company knowingly poisoned the town. She gets involved. Her personal life kind of intercedes. Mm-hmm. But they end up representing the victims of the town. Yes. She does some tricks to kind of get the information, but she does get the true information. Mm -hmm. She proves that they knowingly poisoned people in a town. Mm -hmm. They win the case, win a settlement, the end. Mm -hmm. What they leave out is her firm that she worked for got a big chunk of that fucking settlement. Bigger than you think they would have. So... It kind of tarnishes the story of Aaron Brockovich to a point, yeah. but she still won. That that you yeah, know, that's the thing. It's just like if you can beat if it's the David versus Goliath, you know, law case. You know, mm-hmm. the big company poisons the town, doesn't care, yeah. lets them die on the vine. Mm-hmm. Here comes this plucky fucking lawyer who isn't technically a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, as she, she says so often. Yeah, but she's like a private investigator. Yeah, but yeah. It, this is one of those movies I only watched like a handful of times, but it was on TBS all the fucking time. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip to one. Uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Mm. Did you watch this movie? Oh, yeah. What a fucking ride of a movie. Oh, yes. Absolutely, it was. Matthew McConaughey beat DiCaprio for the Oscar for this one from Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Dallas Buyer Club. Run. I, I could see Even that. Even though Matthew McConaughey is in Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> pounding his chest. Like, mm-hmm. Fuck you. <laughs> I won. Yeah. But no, this is a the wildest, like, true story. And it's about AIDS. Yeah. We don't really, you know. It's been a while. It's been a while since AIDS has been brought up. Mm-hmm. And go, I remember going to high school. AIDS was not as big but it was a good thing to learn about. Yeah. Uh, one is like, uh, you know, if you're going to watch movies about AIDS, uh, the band plays on is a good movie. It's got Matthew Modine. Mm-hmm. It's about the people who codified AIDS and proved that it was its own disease. Um, it was, it was an HBO movie for years. The one that, uh, when I remember when I was old enough to know anything about it, um, Philadelphia had just come out. Oh, Tom X. So. Yeah. That was the one. Explain it to me like I'm a child. <laughs> yeah. Mom. That's the one mom had me watch. Oh, that's so sad. We watched the Ryan White story in health class, yeah. which uh, is filmed at South Arrow High School. 
the school he goes to is South Iredale High. Hmm. So if you go to watch that movie, if you look down, the mat is an Iredale County, you know, board of board of commissions mat hmm. on the on the school he's go to with the giant blue roof is South Iredale High. Here where we're town where you teach. <laughs> hey. <laughs> But yeah, so Dallas Buyers Club is the story of a man who catches AIDS and smuggles drugs from Mexico through Texas and creates a underground pharmacy for AIDS patients. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, it kind of this is when we kind of get into the idea of like what's legal and what's illegal. Yeah. When it comes to something this severe, you know, in all intents and purposes, he broke the law by, you know, transporting something that was technically illegal, you know, drugs from one country to the United States. But how many people did he help? But yeah, so like, (laughs) so like you're you're not, he's not doing it with malice forethought. So that's the big thing about, and it's not like cocaine. Yeah. But that's the big thing about breaking the law that I have a problem with. If you break the law, they should have to prove malice. Like, mm. you're doing this unethically. Yeah. Like, if you're doing it just for the money. No, he's doing it to try to stay alive. Yeah, it's like a Robin Hood thing. Yeah, uh, Jared Leto's in this movie. He plays yes. another young man who's got, got AIDS. And they both knock it out of the park. Absolutely. Uh, Jennifer Gardner is the nurse mm-hmm. who helps him find, like, the right drugs and... It kind of creates a preface to what a lot of age age AIDS patients deal with now, which is called the cocktail. Mm-hmm. These are the drugs I take every day to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep the viral load down, blah blah blah. But yeah, this this was the story since Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of movies between then. Yeah. Other than Rent. <laughs> Everyone has AIDS. 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 Ah. I love Rent though. <laughs> but no, Dallas Buyers Club was on Netflix for a long time and it still mm-hmm. is, I think. But it's but it's one of those movies that has some rewatch value. Mm-hmm. The actors in it are phenomenal. Matthew McConaughey. Yes. Probably one of his best roles. I agree. Like it's a it's a dramatic role, you know, of mm-hmm. anything. And it kind of sucks it out the whole uh you know, he's a very happy go lucky guy in movies. Mm-hmm. No, this is his Anthony Hopkins moment, you know. Yes. This is, this is when the funny guy gets serious. You know, we talked about it earlier with Ghost of Mississippi. You know, Alec Baldwin was part of SNL at that time, so like, yeah. You know, they they dropped the hammer down and just said, "Fuck it, let's make something serious." Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is Selma. Mm-hmm. Uh, about Martin Luther King and the March on Selma. Yes. This one I only watched once. Um, it was on HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who played Martin Luther King did a fantastic job. He did. I hate him on almost everything else, though, because he plays a villain, like, uh, to a point. Yeah. He plays a bureaucrat villain. But he played Martin Luther King very well. He did. And the seriousness of of that situation mm-hmm. and on the anniversary that it came out, because mm-hmm. it came out on the anniversary of the of the march. Yes. Um, it's another civil rights tale. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Ghost of Mississippi. Hey, this is what happened. This is what everyone went through. And... You know, it's very cut and dry. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, it's like hidden figures a little bit. Um, but it's not like 12 Years a Slave, you know? <laughs> like it's, yeah. Yeah, so it is one of those, you could teach this in school. Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted a representation, a visual representation of what this looked like. But you also had actual footage. 
Yes. Of the riot. Mm-hmm. Or the, what? not a riot. Uh, the police trying to shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. But all in all, the great cast. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. If you want, if you're looking for a true story about that particular time era, mm-hmm. Selma goes to Mississippi. Um, I'm trying to think of the one. I think it's called Last Night in Memphis, which is the story of him getting killed. Uh, it was a documentary. And all those kinds of movies, they do very well because I think it's, the information is so freely there mm-hmm. that you had so many witnesses and so many people being part of it mm-hmm. that it'd be hard to get it wrong. True. You know, I, like I, if I can agree if, with that. But if you're getting so many people involved, mm-hmm. all their, uh, you know, all their, not just eyewitness testimony, but their testimonies together, mm-hmm. paint a very clear picture of what's going on. And it coincides with actual footage. Yeah. Of them getting the shit kicked out of them, the police and dogs and shit attacking them. And, you know, the story of Alabama and the story of Mississippi, you know, this mm-hmm. was not a, this was a common occurrence throughout. Yeah. Not just this little place in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like I said, great watch, mm-hmm. check it out. The next one. <laughs> have you seen this one? Called Vice? I have. <laughs> Christian Bale. <laughs> as the former president, Dick Cheney. <laughs> you kids might not know this. You younger listeners. But at one time, we had a vice president who was the president. And the guy who was the president was the guy who just wanted to paint and do cocaine. <laughs> the president was George Bush. The real president was Dick Cheney. Yeah. This is probably the wildest fucking movie. It is. It really, really is. Like, really and truly. I remember watching this, watching the trailer for this, and I'm just like, I got so hyped just by the trailer. I know. I got a phone call when the trailer came out. Oh, man, you got to watch this. <laughs> no, that's not how you sounded. I answered the phone and said, hello, Christy! <laughs> you got to watch this trailer, oh my God! <laughs> like, calm down. <laughs> it was almost as good as season five Stranger Things trailer. The journey. <laughs> but, um, no, it, it, they used that rap song, and a uh, rap song, and it's just like, you would use a rap song for Dick Cheney. A, a hard, <laughs> if you want to talk about a real gangster, <laughs> it's Dick Cheney. I mean, I remember the I remember the, like the chorus part, right hand of God, first in command, and I'm just like, yep, <laughs> he saw himself as that. Yes, yes, and he did. Amy Adams plays uh, Lynn Cheney, his mm-hmm. wife. Who is also a fucking psycho. <laughs> yeah, she had her moments. Oh, no. <laughs> had her moments, my ass. <laughs> and the guy who made Adam McKay, who did the movie, did try to make a sympathetic light as much as he could for Dick Cheney. Mm-hmm. He had a young family when he was the youngest press secretary during Nixon. He was part of the administration under Ford. He was the Secretary of Defense under Bush mm-hmm. Sr. Mm-hmm. He worked in the Reagan administration. He was the Republican Party guy. Mm-hmm. He was on the short list of next candidates. Mm-hmm. And then the late 90s came about, and then there was the Republican Bush, and he said, I don't want it mm-hmm. because his daughter is gay. Yeah. Yeah, this is the part of the movie where it kind of changes tone. 
mm-hmm. was, do not ever bring up my daughter in conversation. That was genuine love. Yeah. Like I, that, that right there is genuine. I believe wholeheartedly that that was Dick Cheney. Mm-hmm. He may be a monster when it comes to diplomatic means, but don't ever talk about his goddamn family. Yeah. Because he'll fucking kill you. <laughs> God tried to kill him like six times and couldn't do it. <laughs> he tried to stop his heart and he fought back. I believe, I think that second one, he ripped one out of a child and just put it in. <laughs> like... So you're saying when Chuck Norris goes to sleep at night, he looks under his bed for Dick Cheney. He should. <laughs> but Chuck Norris's heart isn't as strong as, as what he needs. I remember when Bush Sr. died and they did the funeral, and Jeb Bush and George Bush were sitting next to Barack and Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama was sitting next to George Bush, and Laura Bush is on his other side. And George Bush Jr., Best friend is a Michelle Obama. <laughs> like That's his yeah. best fucking friend. I think it's because he wasn't allowed to date black women because that's why Condoleezza Rice was his second in command. Tell me I'm wrong. I, Condoleezza I, Rice couldn't do no wrong under George Bush's eyes. Now, see, I just thought it was because Condoleezza Rice was just a badass in her own right. She was. But George was like, that's my bitch. <laughs> Laura's okay. Laura, Laura's okay. <laughs> Laura's a librarian Democrat from Texas. I mean. Condi, she'll do a rail and drink with me a little bit. You know, she'll pop a top every now and then. I, I just figured it was just because she was a badass. I'm going to Saudi Arabia and I ain't wearing that stupid fucking headdress. Yeah, she did that. Okay. I remember. I remember yep. she did that. <laughs> Fuck yeah. You want a gun too? We'll give you a gun. I bet she would have won. <laughs> if anybody wanted to pop off around, I think she would have killed somebody. I mean. Uh, but no, just his best friend, fucking Michelle Obama. Uh, but there was this part, Donald Trump's sitting up there too. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the third row is Dick Cheney looking at the back of Donald Trump's head. And like he had this feeling look on his face. Like he was going to suck the soul out of Donald Trump and eat him. Like he's just like, can you imagine if that had happened, if Dick Cheney had got up with his three robot hearts and just fucking started pummeling the president of the United States because he just didn't like the motherfucker? Because <laughs> he would have. He would have. But uh, Vice is such a fun movie. It is hilarious. The The chilling part of the movie is the end. Yes. Where Christian Bale kind of looks at the camera <laughs> as Dick Cheney, and he gained a lot of weight. This was mm-hmm. not prosthetics. He gained, like, I think it was like 85 to 95 pounds mm-hmm. just to play the role. Yeah. Because Dick Cheney, in all intents and purposes, is a larger-than-life guy. Mm-hmm. He's like a Teddy Roosevelt guy, you know, just a big guy. Big, yeah. You know, he's, he's a presence in the room. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, he's having an interview, and he kind of looks at him and says, like, you like what you have? I killed so many people for you to have it. And it's just <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. He, like, he's acknowledging he is the devil. <laughs> He's the usher from Fall of the House of Usher. He's that guy. <laughs> He's just like, oh, yeah, I did it. And I'll do it again, too. And I don't give a goddamn. I'll let this whole goddamn house burn down with me and you in it. <laughs> He's that guy. You know, mm-hmm. He's a suicide bomber of the political spectrum. <laughs> True believer. I do not recommend this movie enough. This movie is such a fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. It is funny. I like how he just casually has heart attacks. And he's just like... 
<sighs> Leon, I'm gonna need you to. He's like doing the fist thing. He's like, I'm gonna need you to call ambulance. And they're like, Oh my god, dick! And he's just like, It's okay. God can't kill me here. I will die in a hot air balloon accident. <laughs> I think that'd be like the best way for him to go. Yeah. A freak hot air balloon accident. Mm-hmm. He was like hunting people in a balloon. <laughs> yeah. That's how he went down. He put, that would be him. It's the most dangerous game shit. <laughs> yeah, for real. Shot a man in the face. In the face. Mm-hmm. And made him apologize. God damn. <laughs> That's mythical. That's some mythical shit. Yes, it really that, that, truly that doesn't is. Sound real. Uh, the next one is Charlie Wilson's War. Yes, my uh, dad's favorite movie. Yeah, it's a it's a wild story. Mm-hmm. It's a story of the Mujahideen, mm-hmm. the preamble to the Taliban. Yes, uh, how the brave fighters of the Mujahideen became the Taliban <laughs> at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But no, it's about uh, the Vietnam for Russia. That's what it was. It's, yeah. it's a quagmire. Or whatever word you want to use for it. But how do we smuggle weapons into Afghanistan to kill the Russians? Mm-hmm. Well, what we do is we uh, pack them up, ship them to Palestine, ship them through Israel, ship them through Pakistan, and make sure you wipe off the fucking Star of David. <laughs> I love that. See, he's like, what are we going to do with all these boxes with a fucking Star of David on them? <laughs> he's just like two guys just arguing back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's like, we'll just paint over it. <laughs> My favorite's when... Uh Right at the beginning when Tom Hanks meets Seymour, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's a thick door. He's, he, he, topped the, uh, he, uh, he bugged the bottle of scotch he gave him. Yeah, the bottle of champagne. Yeah. You put a bug in my champagne? I put a bug in the champagne just to get past it. It's yeah. <laughs> like, what? Philip Seymour Hoffman was a fantastic actor. Yes, he and was. This movie, like many other ones, uh, a movie we don't have on here is Boogie Nights. He's in Boogie Nights. Oh, okay. Um, we'll talk about that next, but... <laughs> Yet again, that's going to have to be you. Yeah. Uh, but no, Charlie Wilson's War. Tom Hanks does a fucking phenomenal job. Julia Roberts, Amy mm-hmm. Adams, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, the guy that played Roger Sterling from fucking Mad Men's in it. He's the head of the CIA. <laughs> he's the one that uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's yelling at. He's like, maybe it's a good idea to have first-generation Americans <laughs> learn Finnish. <laughs> this is like he's screaming at the fucking head of the uh, CIA. He's just like, but no. We didn't fucking do that, did we, dick? <laughs> and then he just throws a fucking chair through the glass and walks the fuck out. <laughs> Meanwhile, we need to figure out what way to smuggle weapons through Afghanistan. Through a Texas heiress and a lowly congressman from like the 93rd District of Texas mm-hmm. who's on all the committees for yeah. some reason. And a ladies' man. Very much so. Charlie Wilson was the ladies' man. Mm-hmm. Amy Adams is his assistant. And she's this meek woman the whole time. And he's just like, no, honey, listen. And like Julia Roberts just talks down to her because Charlie, I will say Julia Roberts in the movie, they make people look prospectively tall and small. Mm-hmm. So if you watch the movie, the smaller people have lesser value. Mm-hmm. And she's like hovering over Amy Adams and yeah. just like, listen here, pissant. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's such, it's a weird fucking dynamic yeah. they have in the movie. Mm. But it, it, it's a solid, but they go to Afghanistan, they see all the fucked up shit, and they talk about what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, they get all those donors together, and it's the logistics of moving weapons through the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And he figures it out. Yeah. He uses sex, drugs, and alcohol, but he figures it the fuck out. 
And it's the biggest fuck you at the end of the movie. Where it's like, we did a lot of great things. We killed a lot of bad guys, but we fucked up the end game. That's the quote at the end of the movie. And it was the fact that the United States abandoned the Mujahideen after the Russians were kicked out. There was no setup for the power vacuum that came in. No follow through. Yeah, which became the Taliban, which 20 years later ended up biting us in the ass. But uh, no, it's a, like I said, it's a fantastic film. Yeah. I went to the theater and saw it with my dad. The theatrical version is a little bit different from the DVD version uh, because in the theatrical version, uh, he gets in a car accident, which really happened. He almost ran his car off a bridge, drunker and fuck, <laughs> but got away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Boogie Nights <laughs> is the true story of John Holmes, played mm-hmm. by Mark Wahlberg. Uh, this movie has the cast. Mm-hmm. You will never. In the history of film, get these this caliber together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burt Reynolds, Mark Wahlberg, John C. Riley, Don Cheadle, Philip C. Four Hoffman. Uh, I have the guy from Ghost of Mississippi. Uh, Alec Baldwin? No, the, the private investigator. William H. Macy. Uh, actual porn actresses are in the movie, like two of them. Um, I think one is called uh, something Hartley. Uh, and... So many fucking actors are in this movie. And it's the story of John Holmes without the story of the Wonderland murders. Malice in Wonderland. That's a whole different film um, with Val Kilmer. But it's about the uh, him going in and out of the porn industry and trying to survive. Heather Graham and Julianne Moore. Those are the other two that are in the movie because they do porn together. It. It is the wildest movie. Casey and the Sunshine Band is a lot of the music. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of... Uh, uh, the scene that people make fun of is Alfred Molina mm-hmm. plays a real man named Eddie Nash, a hardcore drug dealer mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Fun fact about Eddie Nash. This is crazy. Eddie Nash owned a series of nightclubs, which were the first nightclubs in the United States where gays were allowed to dance with each other. He did that. He became woke through crime. (laughs) (laughs) Motley Crue, Van Halen, Cinderella. (coughs) All those bands Mm -hmm. played at his Cubs first. Yeah. That's where they came from. The Starwood. Oh, I've heard of that place. Owned by Eddie Nash. (laughs) A crazy psychopath who freebased cocaine by ounces, not grams. Whoa. Fun fact, when you freebase cocaine... You go by ounces. Yeah. And he took quaaludes to come down to go to court. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, he's fucking fantastic. <laughs> like, in the history of in the history of fucking monsters, he's one of them. Um, but, now John Holmes was a porn actor who eventually caught AIDS and died. But Mike, uh, Mark Wahlberg plays him, because this is a fictional telling. He plays Dirk Diggler in the movie. It is fucking hilarious. The whole movie's fucking hilarious. Uh, Julianne Moore and Heather Graham are just doing a shit ton of cocaine. And it's, this, and it's the New Year's Eve of 79 to 80. And she's like, will you be my mom? Yes, I'll be your mom. Blah, 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 blah. blah. And they're just fucking freaking out together. Mm-hmm. I want to go for a walk. I don't want to go. Me neither. And it's just like they're freaking out because the decade's changing and they have no idea where their future's going. And it's fucking hilarious to me. Like it, It's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But it's fucking hilarious. Uh, I recommend anyone to watch Boogie Nights or Wonderland. But 
those are just the wildest stories because mm. it happens not far from the Tate and LaBianca murders. Mm-hmm. That whole whole that whole area of Laurel Canyon, yeah, needs to be burned to the ground. <laughs> it's cursed. It's fucking cursed. Uh, the next movie on here is what is that? Haunting in Connecticut. You know more about this movie than I do. Okay. Um, there used to be a series on uh, A and E or Discovery that was a haunting, and then it'd be dot dot dot. The first time I remember seeing this was on that show, and it was haunting in Connecticut. And this family, it's a pretty large family, um, oldest son has uh, cancer. And they're driving back and forth from the small apartment that they're living in. Uh, husband is, I don't know what kind, I think he's a, tr- a long haul trucker, I'm not sure. This is the one where the mom was Virginia Matson, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And they're driving back and forth to take him to treat radiation treatments. And it's a long drive and everything. Rough on him and it's rough on the family. And they also have, a, I think she's a niece or a cousin or something that's staying with him. That's about the same age as he is. I don't know. But she pulls over because he's sick from the radiation. She pulls over in the middle of the night and she finds a house for sale. It's a very large house. She calls a realtor because the house is for sale. She calls and asks if they can spend the night there just long enough where they can get back on the road. And she says she's interested in looking at the place. They stay there overnight. Then she gets up the next day and she tells her husband, hey, the house is really, really cheap. It's really, really big. Everybody would be able to have their own room. All this kind of thing. They go and they look at it. And they say it's really cheap. Why is it so cheap? Realtor pulls them to the side and says it's a former funeral home. So they decide they'll take it. They just won't tell the kids. They take it. And the son says he's going to live in the basement because it's nice and cool and it has its own bathroom. And no one's going to have to hear him while he's in the bathroom and everything. During the time that they're there, a whole bunch of weird, creepy stuff starts to happen. He starts seeing things and hearing things. Says there are people in the walls. There are people trying to get him. And he finds out that it's a funeral home because he says he sees people performing autopsies and stuff like that. This is, If I remember right, this is the one where he has visions of like... People having seances mm-hmm. and shit, and that stuff's coming out that dude's mouth. Yeah. That was the cover, I remember. Yeah. And there were dead bodies in the walls covered in fucking symbols and shit. Yeah. The TV show didn't have any of that. Well, I imagine not. All they said on the TV show was that it was a former funeral home, yeah. and there were uh, Native Americans buried on the property, and that there were some people who weren't buried properly at the funeral home, weren't disposed of yeah. properly. But since it's a movie... Yeah, you got to show the dead bodies in the walls that are crawling out because they're sent yeah. to hell. Yeah. yeah. So you got to make it worse. Yeah. Now, I, I remember this movie. This is one of those ones I waited till they got into DVD. It wasn't worth going to the theater and watching. But I remember being fucking crazy as shit mm-hmm. uh, because the the effects they did with that stuff coming out of that dude's mouth. Ectoplasm. Oh, yeah. Fucking wild. 
But it kind of plays into the next two movies real quick. I'm kind of just want to hit the, this one real quick. Um, we had talked about it last time, Amityville. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Winchester House. Yes. This movie had Helen Mirren as the last, uh, the widow of the Winchester fortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she kind of went nuts. Yes. And built a large house in California mm-hmm. where nothing went anywhere. Yeah. Uh, stairways that led to brick walls, doors that led to the outside with no stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, windows that never opened, stuff like that. Yeah. And she would switch out the architects, switch out the workers, so no one really knew where anything went. Mm-hmm. There was plans to knock this wall down, which never happened because she changed fucking contractors halfway through. Mm-hmm. No one knew the fucking structure at all. Yeah. And she, uh, she just went nuts. Yeah. Now, the supernatural part in the thing, it was just like when all the guns come alive, and this is like trying to shoot her. Yeah. Which I thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. No, this this one was it was a good little horror flick. This is Haunting in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. We're good little loosely based on true stories. Yeah, and I don't know. It, it, it's wild. Now I will recommend the Haunting series. I think it's on A and E. I'm not sure, but the series is on. I think Hulu, maybe. Yeah, I think it might be A and E. But the whole series is good because it's a bunch of different houses. A couple of them are like bars. And old buildings and stuff that are haunted, and it's the actual, supposedly the actual people, air quotes, will talk to you about the stuff that they saw and the stuff that they experienced and things like that in different yeah. houses. Those are actually really interesting, and they don't go into as much scary detail, and it's not as ectoplasm coming out of people's mouths yeah, and all that, that kind of thing. That was an added effect. That was really good. Yeah. Um, the next one I want to go ahead and we'll close it out with is a movie me and you saw in theaters. Uh, Operation Finale. Mm. Ben Kingsley. Let's start with him and end with him. Oscar Isaacs. Yes. This is a when I did the research on the movie. Uh, it's a Nazi hunt. Mm-hmm. Period. Plain and simple. Yep. Oscar Isaacs' character, and this is kind of a fucked up thing, was the time they catch this man, uh, who is. Um. Adolf Eichmann. Adolf Eichmann. The time Adolf Eichmann was in this area, another Nazi was in this area that they could have grabbed at the same time. Mangala. Dr. Mangala, the doctor of death. Yep. They had reason to believe he was there, but Israel wanted Eichmann because they knew he was there. There was information that Mangala might be there, but they didn't move on it fast enough. Uh, the true story of the character Oscar Isaacs plays says, I'll go back. Mm. I'll go. I don't need mm. a fucking team. I'll just go back. Mm-hmm. And they said it was too dangerous for him to go back. They needed him for other stuff. And thus, that's why they never did. Yeah. Um, I've heard some theories of what happened to Mangala. Most likely, uh, he died in the ocean of a stroke and drowned. That that could be the story. Or Mossad agents took him out to the ocean and drowned him. <laughs> I've heard Karek. Yep. I've heard the fucking boys from Brazil. Okay. Oh, we've all heard boys from Brazil. Yeah. Well, there is that weird little town in South America where it's all white people and there's a shit ton of twins. Just saying. Mm. Maybe he figured something out. But who am I to say that a group of people in, in all of the places in the world of South America where they only speak German... And have white, blonde-haired people. Uh, Conspiracy. We will never know. (laughs) We shall never know unless we go down there. 
the last American guy that went down there to try to find the truth in South America he ended up killing 900 people. So um, I'm going to keep my keep my fat ass up here. <laughs> but no, we, we, we both were very interested in seeing this movie. Yes. Um, ben Kingsley's stellar performance. This was actually one that I picked that we go, and it wasn't a bad pick on my part for once. <laughs> yes. Yes, this was before Crimson Peak. No, this was after, thank you. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I think that was... This, a, was, this was a redeeming me. <laughs> yeah. But this was also that mutual was like, you can't really fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me have my moment. <laughs> this one, though, this this is one of those movies that I went to the theater and it kind of got me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Was, it wasn't so much what happened, what he did, because he, they show him with the Eisengrubin, um, killing people in trenches, bare, yeah. half-assed bearing and killing them in vans. Yeah. Giant trucks or whatever mm-hmm. uh, with exhaust and stuff like that. But there is this one room. It, it's the audacity. Oh, yeah. Of Eichmann that that is fucking horrific. Mm-hmm. Where they're telling him to shut the fuck up while they're interrogating him. And there's that group of people in the town looking for him. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for the, the Jewish people that have him. They're looking for the soldiers. Mm-hmm. And they're going door to door, and they've done a blackout in the house to make it look like no one's there. Mm-hmm. And Eichmann catches on, and he starts talking down. He, he's very respectful mm-hmm. with his interrogators to begin with. But then he starts talking down to them like they're lesser people, especially Oscar Isaac's character. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, you don't think I don't remember her holding her baby up? Your sister? What was her name? Freya. 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 Oh my fuck! I would have beat that motherfucker. Took his eyes. I swear. Yeah, to God. I'd have beat him into a dime. Yep. So like, it, it was one of those things where you're like, hold restraint long enough, and it is a photo finish. Like they, they, oh, yeah. they play it up as a photo. It's not. The true story is they were very safe mm-hmm. and very smart on how they got out. The there is that scene where uh, the young girl who's bringing food to the house uh, gets tortured. Mm-hmm. The young Jewish girl yeah. uh, gets tortured by the Nazi party of wherever the fuck, Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of a fucked up kind of scene. Yeah. Uh, but we see his son. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's this vehement scene. I know they're trying to play up of him throwing the Nazi flag up mm-hmm. on the house. And it's just like, this is what bred it mm-hmm. to the second generation. Like, he, it was always there. Yeah. Always there. Because there's a, a B-side story of the son talking to this young girl who's the daughter of a Jewish man. Mm-hmm. This is where the movie kind of lost me. It's like, why is a, an older Jewish man living in Argentina where there's a large German population yeah. of fighting age males from that era? Mm-hmm. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. I think they added it for effect. It could be a true, true story. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Yeah, but the the tale of stealing Eichmann mm-hmm. out of the whole continent is fucking wild. Yes, um, because when you talk about you know the Nazi hunters, there was a lot of fuck ups, mm-hmm. a lot of going after the wrong person or misidentifying the person. Um, recently. There was a documentary, I think, four or five years ago about a guy in Minnesota who they had said was, oh, he was a guard at Raven's 
not Ravensbrook. It's one of the old ones. Um, but he was also a guard at Doc Owl. And it's just like, that doesn't make any sense logistically. He couldn't be physically at two places within three days. Mm-hmm. It would have been impossible to move that quickly between two places in three days for him. Yeah. Uh, and But Israel ended up taking him overseas back and, you know, trying him. Mm-hmm. And there was not enough conclusive evidence, so he came back to the United States. Um, but, you know, that's just like a microcosm of giving someone free reign to kidnap people, even though it is for, you know, ethical justice. Mm-hmm. But what's the, you know, it kind of, this is kind of what I had a problem with was if they get away and go somewhere else, why are you bothering with a trial? If your telling goal is vengeance, because that's what it was. Yeah. Kill them and tell the world they're dead. Because that was, you know, I understand why you want to have a trial, mm-hmm. but the big trial is already done. Those guys admitted in trial what they did. Mm-hmm. They admitted it. Yeah. Period. The fact that you want to keep bringing this trial up with other people Kind of is a waste of time. Well, Eichmann, not so much. Yeah, he because he didn't he didn't. But going him. after like guards mm-hmm. and shit is a waste of fucking time. Just kill him. Just kill. Him. They had no problem doing it. Israel didn't have problem doing it against the perpetrators of Munich in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. They didn't grab people for trial. They just killed them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Getting wishy-washy with how you do your game is a little sloppy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand you want to do a trial for a big name. Like, if you had Mangala, yeah, do a trial. Show him. He, he'd sing like a bird on the fucking stand because he, 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 he was a believer. Yeah. Eichmann was a believer. Yeah, get those guys. But if you're like, oh, this guy was a guard at Belson or, you know, Doberbore, just kill him. Because that happens at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. They kill a man immediately. Yeah. And it's a mistake. <laughs> hmm But, you know, I don't see, like, to me, it didn't seem, like, right that they had to kidnap somebody. Him, yeah. But the other ones, no. I, I think with that, it's the idea of you have to bring them into the public eye so everybody can see that you know for sure this person is that person. Yeah, but... Like because said, if you just get a report that three guys found Joseph Mengele mm. in Argentina, <laughs> stop it, in Argentina and executed him, mm. then people like you and I are going to sit here at my dining room table and go, you sure it was him? You sure? When, it, when it's the bigger picture, yeah. Mm. The bigger picture is the trial already happened. The Nuremberg trials were very cut in stone. Yeah. The people that got hanged mm-hmm. and the people that went to prison mm-hmm. all said, yeah, we did it. Oh, not everybody. They were proud of it. The big ones were. Oh, not all of them. Most of them. Just enough to prove that it happened. Now you get somebody like Goering who got on the trial and he said, oh, I didn't. I was. I firmly believed in what we were doing, but I was following orders. Yeah, but like that, that that's the pretense of it. You have a trial to prove that something happened. Yeah. 
they did it. They proved it happened. Mm-hmm. Later on, when you get the deniers, you can just shut them down saying, no, these people said they did it. Period. They can say they followed orders, but they still did it. That's what I had a problem with. Yeah. We know it happened. Mm-hmm. We have footage of it happening. We have eyewitness testimony of survivors who saw it happen. So the fact that we even have to have this argument with these people who say it didn't happen and we're not freely to beat them to death with soap is astonishing to me. Well, you might as well just get over that because there's still people in this world that say it never happened at all. Well, when they're right, they're right. <laughs> yeah, tell that to my grandpa. Yeah. Um, but this movie was just probably one of the wild true stories out mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. because it does tie into... The movie Conspiracy. Yes. It does tie into Schindler's List. It, yes. Know, it, it does come full circle with people like Ben Kingsley playing these larger-than-life characters. Yeah. Who who went from a board meeting to committing probably one of the greatest atrocities of, of, of the modern age. Yes. Because this was, you know, industrialized murder. Yes. Plain and simple. It's not like the Khmer Rouge where it's an invasion of villages. It's not like the massive genocide from Russia where it was just starvation after starvation. No, this is good old factory murder. An army of serial killers on meth is the only way I could describe the Nazi army. The SS. The SS mainly. Mm -hmm. Um, And they show it very well in this movie. Yes. Uh, Those guys in their prime doing what they're doing. Uh, it's not as horrific as some of the stuff I watched, you know, as, as a younger person, st- movies like um, Sobibor, uh or The Gray Zone or you know, other movies about the Holocaust that are a little bit more graphic, a little yeah. bit more not shine away. Mm-hmm. Uh, another movie is one that got a lot of people upset was uh, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. That was the one that threw a bunch of people off. And I'm just like, really? There are worse ones. <laughs> well, I, I'll 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 jump on that one because there's a reason that one's not on this list. Yeah. Because it's not true. Yeah. Because there's no way in hell it would have happened. No. And that's why that's one of the things that makes me angry as an educator because there's no way in the world that that would have happened. It could not have happened. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those things where they tried to make a movie to inspire empathy and sympathy and all of that, but it's impossible. There's no way it would have happened. There's no way that could have happened. And then to try to bring a sense of humanity to the commandant of Auschwitz mm. by him only being upset because his own son dies... Spoiler alert. No. That's absolute trash. Well, it kind of that goes into the argument of you, do you use a factual thing as the backdrop to fiction? Can we use a real event as the, back, as the background of a fictional story? It is in bad taste. Mm-hmm. But so is Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> 
in bad taste of a Nazi POW comedy. <laughs> it's in bad taste, but yeah. people enjoyed it. So it, it, I know where you're coming from. I know it's not true. Like I know the story's not true. Mm-hmm. But you kind of get into this gray area of, well, do we not use factual events as backdrops in fiction ever? Do we just make up, you know, because it's part of storytelling where you get to stories of what's called plausible fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is uh, The Interpreter, a movie that came out recently uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal, where um, an interpreter from Iraq is left behind mm-hmm. and is not able to make it to the United States, even though he helped the United States in the war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. The movie's a fiction, but it's also the but there's also a truth to the fact that interpreters were left behind mm-hmm. and their families were killed by the regime coming in after the United States, you know, dipped out, you know, the whole man left behind, you know, in all intents and purposes, he's an ally. Yeah. Isn't a bad taste to make it a fiction. Kind of like, uh, when we watched the movie Pearl Harbor <laughs> and it's a story about this girl trying to have a threesome with two guys. Uh, and when it should have been about Cuba Gooding Jr. I'm just saying. See, like the backdrop is real. The story is fiction so like you know what i'm saying you get into this weird gray zone of storytelling where okay this movie did well because it's based on a true story of the backdrop but not the story itself this isn't well the difference with this is this isn't based on at least when you had pearl harbor you had the backdrop and you had a story of somebody like cuba gooding jr's character for this you have one thread of an actual event to a tapestry of fake mm-hmm. of unbelievable no way in this universe or any other that any of this would have gone on for this particular movie yeah it's in yeah bad, it can be in bad taste mm-hmm. uh there isn't a lot of tact when it came to making this movie yeah they could have just made this movie about the boy who yeah. died not the son of a commandant who's clueless. Yeah. Um, if you want to tell the story of morality of the Nazis or Germans in general, I would recommend watching Jojo Rabbit. That is a story about a young boy who changes his mind about what it is to be a Nazi German. He believes in the Nazi party because he's a young boy. Mm-hmm. That's all he knows. But through experience and through actual learning and understanding, he gets out of it mm-hmm. and makes it to the end of the war. He, if you watch that movie and you take the comedy out of it, he lost everything at the end of the movie mm-hmm. and gained a friend, and that's it. He lost. If you watch that, I recommend people watch that movie, Jojo Rabbit. It's a fiction, but it's very well done. I have not seen it, but I've had it recommended many times. Mm-hmm. And but it, like, if you want a comparison between like two movies that are based that are fiction based on the actual events, mm-hmm. it's the fall of Berlin. Yeah, all of intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. But it's also the same as the boy in the striped pajamas. You know, it's, there's the backdrop. Yeah, that is very real. And the, what I do like about that movie is the commandant is showing a film about the Jews living okay. We gave them work to do. Here's them playing music. Here's them eating. And it's a facade. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Therese and Stott. Yeah, but it's a facade of propaganda. Yep. That they were going to show. Yeah. And that is something a lot of Holocaust movies leave out. The the ins and outs of how the Germany had to show this eventually. Yeah. You can't just say they all left mm. and didn't take anything with them. You know, they had a plan to answer to the question. Yeah. But they had a plan to back themselves up into legality because if we prove to the world that it's legal, it's fine. That's a straight quote from conspiracy. So <laughs> they, that was their plan. But, but no, I totally understand where you're coming from on that. It is, like I said, it's tactless a little bit. It's just one of the things that that makes me so angry because I I actually got into an argument with uh, another educator about it because they wanted to show that to their kids and asked why they couldn't show that because I got angry. I'm like, you can't show that to the kids. And they're like, why? I said, well, i tell you what, under that basis, I'll show the kids American History X. I'll just take out the sex scenes. No, leave that in. They need to see that. And they're like, well, you can't show that movie. It's too graphic. I said, why? It's exactly the same story. It's got just as much truth in it as Boy in the Striped Pajamas does. <laughs> it's the same story. It's a story about a character who develops and understands that what they're doing is not correct and that they need to change their behavior. And they die at the end. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> but, like, the only difference between that one is Ed Furlong's a full-on Nazi that yeah, the boy in the shop behind was is just the boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's just he's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, yeah, that that's why I think like someone like Taika Waititi who does you know Jojo Rabbit did mm-hmm. such a good job. Yeah, because there was this his his imaginary friend is Hitler. Yeah, I know all about the movie. I just haven't seen it. Yeah, it's batshit insane. Uh, yeah, but I can I can understand people wanting to show that movie because it is on the lighter side. Of a Holocaust movie, yeah. like when we talk about you know Schindler's List or a movie like The Gray Zone, mm-hmm. those are graphic movies. They are. They are. There is a subtlety to the newest generation. You know this because you work with them. They are not hard. That's why if I were, I would rather show the one I talked about with Oprah Winfrey or mm-hmm. Conspiracy. Like, you can't show them the National Archive footage from the Eisenhower administration. These are the films of what we found. Yeah. That is fucking scary. (laughs) I can't watch those. Oh, I'll be watching them. But, like, (laughs) I can't have you, some of my teacher did, and have them watch Sober Boar. A kid gets ate by a dog. Ain't it? Russians have to gun down Nazis and Mm -hmm. bayonet these motherfuckers. Like, it's a rough movie to fucking watch. It is. Uh, so yeah, I can kind of see how that is a little easier to swallow yeah. on the tail end, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but like I said, all these movies we recommend highly. Oh, absolutely. From the Holocaust movies to the drug movies, to the ghost stories, <laughs> to the ones about the real devil vice. <laughs> and all the amazing civil rights movies. Yeah. Uh, what I left off was 12 Years a Slave, because I don't know if you ever saw that one. Oh, yeah. Fuck me, running. That was a rough one. Yeah. Um, but no, they always check out movies based on true stories. Always do your own research, you know, on the back end of it. There mm-hmm. are books these things are based on. They're um, based on real events. So people who do their research, always check these out. Absolutely. 
Um, well, guys, we're going to leave it on that. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Couch Potatoes. Thank you, Christy, for coming in. Thank you. Uh, check out all the great shows on the Something Good Network, uh, History We Forgot with me and Christy Phillips, uh, Triple C, um, Something Good for You, Couch Potatoes, another another series. Um, and just check out everything on Something Good Network. There's always something new coming out. Check us out on the Discord. Let us know what you want to hear. We've already got plans for some of the requests for just the history alone. Mm -hmm. Let us know in Triple C if you want us to hear talk about anything in particular about the macabre, the weird, (laughs) the cryptids, or conspiracies. Mm -hmm. Hell, we even do a (laughs) couple. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Have a great night. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Something Good Network. If you liked what you heard, you can follow us on Instagram and check out the other great shows on the network. Link is in the episode description.